All right. Well, you guys got me this morning for preaching. And uh, why don't we stop and uh, let's, let's pray once again. Is it okay if we pray again? All right. Heavenly Father, we come before you this morning, Lord. I, I, I just uh, I thank you for the, 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 the word, the message that you put on my heart. Lord, I, Holy Spirit, I just pray that you would take over. If there's anything you want me to change, if there's anything that needs to be different, throw the whole thing out. And I, I pray that whatever words I speak are your words only. In Jesus' name, I pray that nothing of me comes out and only you comes out. And in Jesus' name, Lord, and I pray that, that every age that's in the room, because we have from the very youngest to, the, to, to those that are the most wise in this room, Lord, I, I, I pray that, uh, that you would um, that allow all of us to take nuggets home from your, from your word, Lord, in Jesus' name, things that we can apply to our lives at every age. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, this is the last Sunday before the new year. Possibly the last sermon you're going to hear, unless you hop on YouTube or, or maybe you grab a couple more uh, 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 services along the way between now and, and, uh, and the new year. Year ends are great times to reflect. I like taking those times to kind of look at the previous year. I don't, I don't like necessarily looking back, because sometimes looking back, it, it, it's one of those things with, uh, with like, uh, uh, what is it, when you're, take, when you're racing, it's one of the worst things you can do is look back, right? But when you're looking at life and you're reflecting on life, I think it's okay to reflect, not necessarily look back and, and dwell on the past, but it's okay to look back and reflect and, be, and just figure out things that maybe, you know, things that could have been changed, set new goals for the future, and, uh, you know, get prepared. I'm not a big one for New Year's resolutions. I, I don't know. Has any, I've, I've set New Year's resolutions before. Has anyone else set New Year's resolutions? Has anyone actually kept a New Year's resolution? That's why I don't like New Year's resolutions. Um, I say most people drop them within about three weeks. Did you know gym memberships go up? Um, there, there's more gym memberships sold in January than pretty much any other time of the year. And by February, the gyms are empty. Well, I mean, mostly empty. I've, I've experienced this. I, I, I have, a, have a dojo in, in Gaylord, and we have lots and lots of students through all through December, soon and even into January, quite a ways into January. By February, most of my students are, are uh, doing other things. So... I'm more one that if there's something that needs to change in your life, if there's something that needs to change, now is the absolute best time to do it. Don't wait until the next year. You know, don't wait until the next month. Don't wait until the next beginning of the week. Today is the day to start. All right? don't, don't stretch things out. Don't lengthen things out a long ways and uh, uh, you know, kind of you know, put it off. That, that type of thing is, is where I think people see the most failure, and then they get discouraged because they wanted to make this change, they wanted to do this, whatever the, whatever the thing was they wanted to, to make a change in their life, and then they fail, and then they, and then they fail, and they fail, and, and then they wait to start up again. I, I'd say if you fail today, then start again tomorrow. If you fail tomorrow, then start again the next day, and pretty soon you might get two days in a row before you fail, and, and maybe you get three days, and eventually you get a whole week before you fail, and then you get a, maybe two weeks, and, and so on and so forth until until you stop failing at whatever it is that you're trying to change. And that, and that can apply really to anything. It can apply to, to health. It can apply to habits. It can apply to, uh, apply to relationships. It, it, really, it really fits everywhere. Today is a good day for change, whatever it is. You fill in the blank. Never put off for tomorrow something that you could do today. Well, this morning's message, I, I was inspired by what seems like kind of a, a, an accidental occurrence in Scripture. And certainly not, I don't, I don't believe it's actually accidental, but it seems kind of accidental. It seems somewhat innocuous. I mean, it, it doesn't, it, it, it's, uh, it, it really doesn't seem like a big deal when you start reading into it. And then as you go through the story, it, it, you start realizing it's, it's, there's a lot happening here. 
in this, this particular scripture. And I'm not necessarily focusing on the things that Jesus said, because we're actually talking, it's a little story about Jesus and, uh, and a place called Jacob's Well. But I'm not really focused on what he's saying, more on what he did in, the situ- in, in this, this event, in this situation. And the things that he said were of absolute importance. You could preach four sermons on that. But what I'm talking about is, is the, the thing he did in this situation. And, and I want to kind of relate that to, 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 to our life and, and to, you know, to things that we might run into, situations we may find ourselves in. So we're going to start in Matthew 4. Actually, I believe I'm in John 4. I think I, mis- I miswrote that. Yeah, it's John 4, verse 4. So it says, now we had to go through Samaria talking about Jesus. So he came to a town in Samaria called, I think it's pronounced Sychar, near the plot of ground Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. It was about noon. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone into town to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, you are a Jew and I am a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews did not associate with Samaritans. And Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. Verse 11 says, Sir, the woman said, You have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us the well and drank from it himself, as did also his sons and his livestock? And Jesus answered, Everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become, will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. And the woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw water. All right, we're going to stop there for a second. I, I, what Jesus said, I think, is of absolute importance, but, but what's happening here, I think, is of, of even more importance. I find the compassion that Jesus has in this situation enlightening. Now, for one, you could go back to the history and look at the, at the Jews and the Samaritans and why there's a separation there. We're not going to dig into all that. Um, but there's, there's, a big, there's a big chasm there. They didn't talk to each other. They didn't associate. And, and so that was a big thing. But I, I think more importantly, there's this random person. Jesus just got done with the journey. Obviously, they don't have much food or any food because the disciples went in town to get some food. So he's probably tired, probably dirty, probably thirsty, Right? I, I know I'm taking a little bit of uh, artistic liberty there, but it, it does say that he was tired, um, and, uh, and that's why he was you know, getting some water. And this woman, rather than getting him some water, st- you know, t- changes direction and, and asks him a question. Why, you know, why are you talking to me? I don't, I don't understand. And rather than getting frustrated and being like, well, I just need, I'm thirsty. I need some water. Jesus takes the time to invest in this lady's life. He stops what he needs, he needs water, he's, he's tired, he's thirsty, he stops what he's doing, drops what he's doing, and invests in this woman's eternity. Now there's some life lessons that we can learn there, and, and, and one place that I relate this, and, and maybe I can bring it to a more modern time, but um, I, I kind of relate this as the inconveniences of people sometimes. In ministry, I, I, or actually I should, I should rephrase that, doing ministry is very rarely convenient. It's almost always inconvenient. The times when somebody needs prayer, it's usually when you're in a hurry, right? Or you're, you're in the middle of doing something or you need to get somewhere. The times that's, that you might have what seems like random occurrences where you run into somebody at the store, um, it, it, it may not uh, 
seem important to you at the time because whatever you're doing is what's important, right? You're in a hurry, you're, you're about your business, you're trying to, trying to get stuff done. I mean, I guess one way you could look at this is maybe, you know, one day you, you're, you, you head downtown to McDonald's and, uh, and you're just in a hurry, you, you want to get your lunch or, or something. And, and uh, so you walk in, ready to go, you know what you want to order, you, you want to get in and out of there. And you run into somebody. Maybe it's someone you know. Maybe it's someone you don't. It really do, that doesn't matter with the application of this. But regardless, the, a conversation ends up beginning. They say hi. You say hi. And then whatever happens next. And in that moment, you have the opportunity to shut that thing down and, and head on out of there. You got your, your sandwich or whatever it is. And you, you hit the road. And you continue about your business. And, and I would challenge you that a lot of those occurrences... I believe, are divine opportunities. Those are God-ordained, God-sanctioned, God-planned opportunities that he puts in your path intentionally because you have something that that person needs, so you need to invest in that person's life. But the only way that happens is if you stop and, and, and recognize what's happening and take the time out of your schedule, your busy schedule, to do that, to invest in that person's life. So, you know, again, Jesus didn't insist on... Filling his physical need, he stopped, recognized what was happening, and invested in this woman's life. So anyways, if we, we're going we're gonna to continue on here. It says, he told her, go and call your husband and come back. And she says, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, you are right. When you say you have no husband, the fact is you have had five husbands, and the man you are now with is not your husband. And what you have just said is quite true. Sir, the woman said, I can see that you are a prophet. Our ancestors worshipped on this mountain, but you Jews claim that the place where we must worship is in Jerusalem. And Jesus says, Woman, believe me, a time is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know. For salvation is from the Jews, yet a time is coming and now has come when the true worshipers will worship the Father in the Spirit and in truth. For they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. God is spirit, and his worshipers must worship in spirit and in truth. And the woman said, I know that Messiah, called Christ, is coming. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. And then Jesus declares, I, the one speaking to you, I am he. And I'm going to propose that Jesus had something called 2020 vision. I'm sure if anyone goes to an optometrist or an eye doctor, for the little ones that don't know what an optometrist is, they check your eyes. And, and I was reading a little bit about it because I, I, I never really understood what 2020 meant, but apparently it means that from 20 feet away, you can read all the lines on their, their, their eye chart, all the letters that are on their, their eye chart, and they get smaller and smaller as it gets to the bottom. And I, and I guess you should be able to read all of them or at least down to a certain point. And that's considered, technically it's not considered perfect vision, it's just considered good vision. I don't know what they consider perfect vision or if anyone is technically has perfect vision, but it's considered good vision. You know, Jesus had 20-20. Yeah, I, I feel like we, as individuals, we have something called 20-20 hindsight vision. Not talking about eyes, but talking about things that we've done, things that have happened. After the event is over, you look back and you think, wow, I could have done that different. I probably should have done this different. And you think about all the things that you could have done a little bit different. That's, that's, that's being able to look and have that 2020 hindsight vision. But I think not only does Jesus have, you know, 2020 hindsight, but he's got 2020 future vision. Before he even got to the well, I'm sure he knew what was going to happen. All right, when he got to the well and he seen this woman come and he could see that woman. He could see the need, he could see the, the the history, he knew 
He knew her. He walked into the situation prepared. He knew this woman. He took the time to invest in her life, give her some words of wisdom. And more than just her is affected, as we're going to read in, in a little bit here. There's, there's many more people who are affected from this one simple occurrence that seems, again, it seems random. When you're, when you're just reading through, if, you, if you're blowing through the book of John, you read it, and it's like, oh, cool, okay, and then you move on to the next chapter, and, and you just keep going. But when you, when you kind of stop and think about what's happening here, this just reminds me, Jesus is on his way to McDonald's, you know, he wants his drink of water, and instead of, you know, getting into the fast food line and getting it and getting out of there, he takes and stops and, and, and meets this woman where she's at and invests in her life. He can see that there's a need, and so he invests in her life. So as we continue on in verse 27, it says, Just then, his disciples were surprised to find him talking with a woman, but no one asked, What do you want? Or why are you talking with her? Then leaving with her water jar, the woman went back to the town and said to the people, Come, see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Messiah? They came out of the town and made their way toward him. Meanwhile, his disciples urged him, Rabbi, eat something. But he said to them, I have food to eat that you know nothing about. Then his disciples said to each other, Could someone have brought him food? My food, Jesus said, is to do the will of the one who sent me and to finish his work. Don't you have a saying, it's still four months until harvest? I tell you, open your eyes and look at the fields. They are ripe for harvest. Even now, the one who reaps draws a wage and harvests crops for eternal life, so that the sower and the reaper may be glad together. Thus, the saying, one sows and another reaps is true. I sent you to reap what you have not worked for. Others have done the hard work, and you have reaped the benefits of their labor. And here's the part that I think is really exciting. So again, random, seemingly random chance occurrence. And then verse 39, many of the Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me everything I ever did. So when the Samaritans came to him, they urged him to stay with them, and he stayed two days. And because of his words, many more became believers. They said to the woman, we no longer believe just because of what you said. Now we have heard for ourselves, and we know that this man really is the Savior of the world. Jesus could see into that situation. He could see the wisdom in stopping and talking to this one person and how it would affect so many more. How many random chance occurrences do we miss? How many divine opportunities do we miss because we're in a hurry? Because we don't take the time to even say a quick prayer. Lord, is this something I need to invest in? Do I need to stop and talk to this person? Use, again, we're supposed to be people of the Spirit. Use the unction of the Holy Spirit. Okay, that's, that, that's that little voice talking in your head. All right, that says stop and pray for this person. Stop and talk to this person. Stop and invest something into this person. We're supposed to be worshiping. We're supposed to be living, right, in, 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 as, as it says, in, uh, in spirit and in truth. Right? We need to rely on God's prompting for those things. Rely on God's prompting. Now, we're going to take a little, we're, we're going we're gonna to take a little segue here. And do something a little fun for the kids to maybe help drive this point of 2020 vision home. And we're going to see how it works because I, I kind of came up with this last minute. I was, I was thinking about, man, what kind of an object lesson can I do that's going to help them understand this idea that uh, uh, um, they, they need to, uh, they, they need to um, uh, sometimes take the time and invest in somebody. Um, but actually, I think I'm getting ahead of myself. I'm going to go a little bit farther. So many people were led to eternal life because of a single event. You never know how something that you do 
or something that you say, how it's going to affect a person or even many people because it may trickle down. You may, you may say something to one person and then it ends up spreading to many people and it affects a bunch of them. You know, that whole, what is it, six degrees of separation, if you've ever heard of that you know, concept. You're only six people from every other person on the planet. So you're only six people from the President of the United States or six people from, you know, that, that's how things, fast things can spread. If you don't know that, that concept, you can look it up. It's, you just search six degrees of separation on, on uh, Google and you'll find thousands of documents about about the, uh, the, the uh, idea. It may seem like a lot of pressure to put on us as, as believers that every, ran, or every time we run into somebody that might be an opportunity, and, and it is, it, it is some pressure. And, and that's why I think it's, it's really important to be prepared. You know, 2 Timothy 4, 2 through 5 says, Preach the word, be prepared in season and out of season. One of my mentors growing up, uh, Pastor Art Rhodes, he pastored in, in Gaylord Assembly of God for, for quite a few years, and any of his uh, leaders, especially any of his preaching leaders, he may just randomly call on them to preach a sermon. He'd be like, be, be ready, in season and out of season. You might just get randomly called up to preach. That's just the way it was. That's how, that's how he did things. And uh, he, want, he wanted to make sure his, his, his preachers, his, his teachers, were ready in season and out of season. I remember hearing that so many times growing up. But if, if you continue on, there's a little more to it. It says, preach the word, be pray, prepared, in season and out of season, correct, rebuke, and encourage with great patience and careful instruction. So that doesn't mean when you, when you randomly come up to somebody and, 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 and you feel like they're, they're doing something wrong, you, you rebuke them openly. and make, you know, It says that we need to do things patiently and carefully. Use wisdom. Again, use the, the prompting of the Holy Spirit to speak into somebody's life and, and do that carefully. And we need to be prepared ourselves, which we're going to talk about in a minute. But it, it continues on. It says, For a time will come when people will not put up with sound doctrine. Instead, they will suit their own desires. They will gather around them a great number of, uh, a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. They will turn their ears away from the truth and turn aside to myths. But you, keep your head in all situations, endure hardship, do the work of an evangelist, discharge all the duties of your ministry. There's a lot in that. I, I could preach a couple of sermons probably right on that little segment right there. We need to be prepared in season and out to be able to speak into someone's life. And I'm not speaking your own, I don't mean speak your own words and your own ideas, your own opinions. I mean speaking the word of God, speaking wisdom into somebody's life. And wisdom only comes from the Holy Spirit. If you look at the old Webster's Dictionary, I don't know if the, the, the modern ones say this, but I know the older ones that were printed, you know, like the pre, pre-1950s, actually say wisdom is something that comes from the Holy Spirit. It's pretty cool. That's the only, in my opinion, based on, based on that old Webster's Dictionary, the only place you will find wisdom is from the Holy Spirit. Knowledge does not bring wisdom. I've met a lot of really, really intelligent people that are dumb. Really, really dumb. They make really, really stupid decisions. They have a lot of knowledge, but they can't use it. I, I, I was thinking about a, a way to look at that a picture image is imagine a, a, a little kid with a giant sword. You know, one, one of my little girls with an 80-pound broadsword, they're, they're going to drag that thing around. They're not going to be able to do anything with it. You know, that sword is like all that knowledge, but without wisdom, you can't wield it. You can't do anything with the knowledge. It's pretty useless knowledge. Wisdom is what unlocks knowledge, and wisdom comes from the Holy Spirit. So, again, in my opinion, this isn't a doctrinal statement, but in my opinion, if you're, if you're not a born-again believer, if you're not tapping into the wisdom from the Holy Spirit, you don't have any wisdom. All you have is regurgitated wisdom from somebody else. 
That's why Christians should be the leaders of the world, because we do have real, live, active connection with God, or we should have, to, to, to draw that wisdom directly. Not, not something from some philosopher from a thousand years ago, not something from another preacher. That, that we, we each have that, that direct connection with the Holy Spirit, or we should have, to tap into that wisdom. So we need to be prepared. We need to be prepared. So going back to this idea of 2020, and we're going to do, we're gonna, we're gonna do a little game. So I need to see how this works. I need a couple of volunteers. Actually, what would be kind of fun is to have a couple of kid volunteers and maybe even a couple of adult volunteers. That there's some adults that want to be good sports. So let's see. Most of the kids in here are my kids. So Wade, perfect. How about, how about let's do this. Let's do some older kids and younger kids. We'll do that. So how about Wade and Trista? You two can be a team. We'll, we'll try that out. And let's do... Did you put your hand down because you don't want to do it? Or, or let's do, I'll tell you what we'll do. I don't have enough to do three teams, so I'm going to have to be mean and just pick some of you. Let's do Bella. Let's do Bella and Aurora. Bird and Tilly, you'll just have to sit this one out this time. All right, so come on up. So this made sense in my head, but I, I didn't really practice it, so, so it, hopefully it's, it makes sense when we apply it. So I have a couple of buckets. We're going to keep this one up here. Actually, we're going to put this one. Can I, I can walk up here. I'm going to put this one down here. This has a whole bunch of balls. We're going to call them balls of wisdom. And I have some buckets. So I want, let's see. Um, there, right here. Aurora, go put this bucket on, on, on that uh, bench over there. And here, Trista, why don't you go put that bucket over on that bench over there. So, the bucket is our random person, and we want to get some wisdom into that person, but if we're not listening to the Holy Spirit, it's going to be really hard to get that, that, that ball in there. We might even miss the mark a few times. We might try to put the ball in there, the ball misses, and, and we, we, we don't give him any wisdom at all. It just it misses the mark. All right, so this, this is hopefully kind of going to give you a mental image of a, of a real-life concept, but... And then what we're going to have is we're going to have what represents you or, or us. And you're going to be blindfolded, and we're going to have a person that represents the Holy Spirit giving them directions. Yeah, we do, we've, we've, we've done a similar game before. It's a little different. So one person is going to be blindfolded, and they have to get the balls of wisdom into the bucket, and the other person on their team is going to have to try to walk them there using words. You can't grab their hand. You can't guide them. You can't push them. You can't. Sh- you can't. Nothing. You can't touch them. You can only use words to guide them there. All right. Are you guys ready? So who's going to be the voice of the Holy Spirit? You want to be blindfolded? So you're the voice. You're blindfolded. You're going to. <laughs> All right. There's a blindfold. Here's a blind. This, this seems pretty accurate, doesn't it? <laughs> so if, if, if anyone is listening on the audio, because I'm sure this will get put online, we, we, we're having some struggles getting the ball to the other bucket. 
All right, good job, guys. You can take your blindfold off. All right, you guys can sit back down, but don't, don't go too far because we're going to come back to this in a second, but we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna have a little change. Uh, Aurora, you can, do you need some help taking that off? Did I put it on too tight? Thanks, Tristan. All right, so that seems a little bit like real life sometimes. You know, there's a lot of distractions in life. There's a lot of things that, that can take our focus off of, of what we need to do. Like I said, even in that situation, Jesus was thirsty. He had a, he had a, he had a journey behind him. He's, he was tired. He was thirsty. So I'm sure his mind wasn't exactly thinking about, all right, let's, let's, let's preach. Let's invest in somebody's life. Let's, uh, let's do like what it says in Second Timothy. He needed a drink of water. But he took the time. He recognized the situation. He had that perfect 2020 vision. I must have really put it on there tight. Um, he, uh, he, he had that, that perfect vision to, to see into that situation. And what I'm going to propose is that Jesus was prepared. Jesus was constantly, constantly communicating with God the Father, right? We see that all throughout the scriptures. Jesus spent 40 days in the wilderness fasting. If that doesn't get you prepared, I don't, I don't know what will. All right, he knew the word. I mean, he could recite it verbatim. He was prepared. If you want to be able to speak positively in someone's life with wisdom, you have to be prepared. Just like it says in Timothy, be prepared in season and out. Being prepared is not easy to do. Being prepared is, 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 is difficult. It takes, it takes work. It takes effort. There's, there's some pain involved. I'm not, not talking about physical pain. I, I guess there could be, but I, I'm talking about it's going to take some sacrificing other things to make the time to be prepared. Now, January, the beginning of the year, beginning of a new year, the Assemblies of God always designates the first full week as a week of prayer. Now, some churches commit the entire month. Uh, we, as our, the Brannigan family, we always commit the first, the, the, the month of January to, to fasting and prayer. Um, doesn't mean that you necessarily have to, but um, the first full week of January is definitely a time to be making sure, uh, and if you need to tie a string around your finger or whatever you need to do to remind yourself that, that to, to be in prayer anytime you think about, uh, about uh, um, or, or create reminders to, to remind you to spend some time in prayer, spend some time in God's Word throughout that, uh, throughout that week. We're, we're praying about this coming year, this year 2020, that, again, we want, we want the same things we want any year. We want revival. We want breakthrough. We want to see more people coming to the Lord. We want to see our country strong and, and, and united. We want to see you know, all, all these things that we, we, need to, we need to continue praying for, and we need to do it diligently. We need to do it together as a concerted effort. But I think on an individual level, to be prepared in season and out of season, I believe it's important, just like Jesus did, I, I think it's important to pray, it's important to read God's word, it's also important to fast. And, and if, I, I don't know if everyone's heard about fasting um, and prayer in the, in, the, in the past, if this is a new concept, I'm going to briefly touch on it um, for you. The, uh, the definition of fasting is the act of denying yourself some or all food, drink, or both. I realize that some people can't fast because of health reasons or medical reasons that you're not able to fast food, and uh, it, it's it's just not something you're able to do. You know, I, I, I don't believe there's anything necessarily supernatural about going on a fast because lots of people fast 
that aren't Christians at all. They fast because their doctor told them to because they have surgery, or they fast because, um, you know, whatever. There's lots of reasons. Bodybuilders do intermittent fasting. There's, there's a lot of reasons that people fast. But if you do it for the right reasons, if, if you do it because you want to have spiritual growth, then there, are, there is a supernatural aspect. You will, have superna- you will have spiritual growth. The act of denying yourself something causes pain, right? It may, maybe not a physical pain. I mean, if you, if you stop eating for a while, it causes physical pain. I've, I've done water-only fasts, and, and it's, it's, it can be painful for a few days. Usually for myself, by the time I get to the fourth day, I'm good. I don't feel anything anymore. I'm not hungry. Food, food's not enticing anymore. Um, day one and two are awful, especially if you're a, a coffee drinker or a pop drinker that has a lot of caffeine in it. You're going to go through caffeine withdrawals for a couple of days, lots of headache, pain, and all that kind of stuff. If, if you experience it, that's, it's not any fun. But the act of denying yourself something really hones in, kind of like like if, if you're, uh, like they say, if you're missing your eyes, your ears become more acute to sound, or if you're missing, your ears don't work, your eyes become more, you know, you, you, it becomes more uh, honed in. Well, when you deny yourself something you want, typically that desire for that thing is greater. Now, myself, one of my things is ice cream. I love ice cream. It's by far my, probably my, my, I would say my favorite thing to eat. And I haven't eaten ice cream in like three weeks. Not, not because I was fasting, I just, I didn't, have any? I didn't want any. Well, if I go on a fast next next month and say, well, I'm, I'm going to do like a like a Daniel fast or something like that. If you don't know what that is, that's that's fine. It doesn't doesn't matter at the moment. Um, and I'm going to just eat fruits and vegetables. And now I'm telling myself I'm not having any ice cream for a month. I'm going to want ice cream so bad for that entire month, and I haven't wanted it at all in the last three weeks. So it's just that, I think that this is how our brain works. Is when we want something. Or when we deny ourselves something, then we end up really wanting that thing until we, we, we beat our body into submission, so, so to speak, kind of like Paul said um, in, the, uh, in the scripture. So it, it, it's, uh, it's the act of denying yourself creates a pain or a desire. That pain or desire is something that you want to, to, to fill with praying and reading God's word. So every time, so if you're doing a food fast, I'm not saying, again, uh, if you're going to do a, a food fast of some sort, consult your physician, you know, talk to your doctor, make sure that you're, you're able to do that. But in, in a lot of, a lot of uh, pastors, including myself, I've, especially when I'm working with kids, kids, they, they need their, their food to grow. I mean, we, we don't want to be affecting their body. And, and even for them, it doesn't really hurt them to do intermittent fasting of, of food. It's actually pretty healthy. It gives the body a little bit of a rest, even at younger ages. But um, I'm pretty careful with that, especially when we're teaching in kids. I don't know what other parents have for what, you know, what their rules are for their kids and, and how they do their diets and, and schedules and things like that. So one of the things when we're, when we're teaching our kids um, in, uh, in kids' church is we'll tell them, fast something that, you, that, uh, that, something that takes up time and something that you really desire. So for some kids, or, or even for adults, maybe, maybe food is not a thing you can fast, but Maybe you watch a lot of Netflix. Maybe you binge watch, binge watch a, a ton of Netflix series. Or maybe you watch a lot of TV. Or maybe you, maybe you play video games. Maybe you, uh, I, I don't know. Whatever it is that, that takes up some time and that you stop for that time period. And I can guarantee you that if you stop doing that thing for a short period of time and you fill that time with reading God's word and praying, you will most certainly have a change. You will grow spiritually. 
I, I, the way I, I like to I like to use uh, picture images that they work for me to help me re- learn things and and to to get concepts and, and ideas and, and the concept of fasting and and reading God's word and praying. I mean, those are three I think very important key ingredients into growing yourself spiritually. All right, we're made of mind, body, and spirit. Right, we have three parts. And I'm going to tie this all back around to what we were talking about earlier. It's kind of my, my sermon was kind of two pieces, but I, I, hopefully it comes together, you know, nicely. But we, we have our mind, we have our body. We have, some people say soul, body, and spirit, but you know, whatever. It, it, we have a spirit, we have a body, and we have a, we have a mind. And we're really, really good about working our minds, right? We make our kids go to school. Some of us go to school. Some of us continue our education and our work, and we work our minds. Right? We, we grow our minds. Some people are really good at growing their bodies, and they, 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 they lift weights, or they run, or they, whatever it is, whatever they do. They, they, they're really good at that. Both of those things require what I, what's called progressive overload. Anyone heard the words progressive overload? All right, weightlifters would, would definitely know that, that, that term. Weightlifters, you put lots of weight on, you lift it a few times, muscles rip and tear. It hurts. It hurts. It's a good thing, because the muscles grow back stronger and bigger. People that are, that are working their brains, kids in school. I was reading a thing that says that when you're studying really, really, really hard, you burn almost as many calories as, as somebody that was running. Okay, it's, not, it's not quite enough to where, you're, where it's going to be like a weight loss thing, but it, it, you burn a lot of calories thinking hard. It's work. It's effort. It works the brain. Sometimes your brain, some of you guys that are in school, does it hurt after doing like your, uh, what, do you have, uh, what do you have for testing? Your, uh, I don't know what the equivalency tests are called anymore. Um, we, we called them meep tests when I was a kid. But anyways, do, do you, does your brain hurt after doing a test, Trista? Not really? You get tired from doing tests? I mean, I, I do. I mean, I, I did when I was in school. I remember you pouring over, you know, practicing stuff, learning stuff, and then taking that over. And, and the thing is, is you can get smarter and smarter. I, I have a nephew. I just had this conversation over, over a, a Christmas dinner. He's struggling in chemistry, and he has a, a uh, like a... a I don't know what they call it, mid-year exam next or in, in a couple of weeks anyway. And he's really worried about it. I said, well, what are you doing about it? He says, I'm just worrying about it. I'm like, well, well, you have a couple of weeks of no school, right? He's like, well, yeah. I said, and you have internet, right? He's like, well, yeah. I said, well, then hop on the internet and find something like Khan Academy or some online internet thing and, and see if you can hit chemistry from a different angle. Progressive overload. Make more pressure on your brain to, 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 to beat it. Right? Make it harder for yourself, break through it, and learn it. And then you'll do even better on your chemistry test. He's like, that's a really good idea. I'll, and I'll try that. So I don't know if he's going to try it. I hope he does. Um, the same principle applies to your spirit. I want my spirit man to be like the Arnold Schwarzenegger spirit man. I want to be so prayed up, so much of God's word in me, that I am just muscled out in the spirit. All right. If you never pray, if you never read God's word, if you never spend that time, uh, you know, guess make that time. If you're never disciplined in that, you're going to look like the spiritual wimpy man. You're, you're going to look like, you know, some stick man next to, next to Arnold. That's, that's not a good thing. That's not healthy. How, how are you going to fight against the attacks of the enemy? How, how are you going to stand when everyone around you, and I, and I say this especially for our kids that are in school, when everyone around you doesn't believe and they're poking at your belief, right? They're trying to rock your foundation. How are you going to stand if you have no footing to stand on, if you're not prepared, 
How are you going to get those balls of wisdom into somebody if you're never tapped in to God? If you're never tapped in to the Holy Spirit. So again, my, my philosophy on that is the same as bodybuilders and as people that, that work their minds is you need to over you need to, to, to lift some weights, spiritually speaking. Spend time in prayer, spend time in God's word. Fasting is an excellent way to force yourself to do that. Because when you fast, there's a desire. Feel the desire, use the desire as a reminder, as like a string on the finger, you know, to, to remind you, hey, I need to pray. Every time those hunger pains come, oh, I need to open, let me, let me read a little bit of God's word. All right, and you can't tell me you can't do that, because, you know, most of you have, you know, phones that have that Bible app on it. You can, you can read the word any, anytime, anywhere. Or, or spend some time in prayer. And you will have spiritual breakthrough. There is way too much in Scripture to back that up, right? You read God's Word, it renews your mind. All right, when you invest God's Word into somebody, it will not return void. Okay, these are promises. These are facts that Scripture says. So you invest that wisdom into people, it will change them. You invest in yourself those things, and you will change. And you will be equipped, like Jesus was, to see into people's lives. And I'm not saying you're going to be able to see like what Jesus seen, but that, that is technically a gift of the Spirit. When you read, when you read about the gifts of the Spirit, okay, being people of the Spirit, we do get those divine wisdoms or those divine, those divine little nuggets of knowledge about somebody where you feel like, man, I feel like this person is really struggling with this. And you go and you, and you, you ask them if they need prayer. Or, or, those things are real. They do happen. We should be operating them in our body here. If we're not, then we need to be fasting and praying and getting filled up, getting muscled up in the Spirit, so to speak. So, we're going to try this again. So, we're going to say, where, where did, uh, Trist is there, where did, oh, Wade, Wade, well, we don't, we don't really need Wade for this, because we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna change it up. So, we get, let me get my two contestants. Now, you don't have to be blindfolded this time. So, this time, we're going to say, you're prayed up, right? So, you've spent your time praying, you've spent your time, Roar, get up here too. You, you two are the, are, the, are the ones that were moving the nuggets of wisdom. And where are the buckets at? Are they still out there? All right, so, this time, you guys have been prayed up, you got the word of God and you've got those nuggets of wisdom ready to go. And you can see where you're going this time. So I'm going I'm to give you guys like a, like a minute here. Let's see how fast and, and, and who can get the most balls in the other bucket. I don't know if the buckets are the same distance apart, but they're pretty close. You guys ready? Get set, go. Man, it's a whole lot easier when you've got clear vision. And long legs. <laughs> and long legs. <laughs> Come on, Aurora. Move it. Hurry. All right. Ten, nine, eight, seven, six. Five, four, three, two, one. <laughs> All right, good job, guys. You're gonna count them up, count them up, and see who won. All right. While well, while you're doing that, I'll I'll, co- I'll continue. You don't know how to count? You should probably practice that before school starts. Yeah. <laughs> Fifteen. Wow, that was close. That was a close race. And Aurora, Aurora zonked out on the front row. 
Was that a lot easier? And faster? Yeah. You know, when, we're, when we are prepared, when we have the tools we need to do the work of God, it's, it's easier? It really is. I, I, I would, I would, I would um, you know, extend to anyone to, to argue that fact. I mean, to, if you're a mechanic and you have the right tools, it's a whole lot easier to do the job. I've done that before, working on my vehicle and not having the right tools. It, it takes a whole lot longer sometimes. But if we're prepared, if we have what we need, we're going to do a whole lot of, uh, a, a much more efficient and a better job getting those, new, those, those, those nuggets of wisdom into somebody's life. One more thing I'll say about fasting, my, my last little, 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 little tidbit on fasting. You need to fast something that, that, that hurts. Okay, I'm not saying physically hurts, but something that's sacrificial. If, if you fast something you're not going to miss anyway, then you're missing the whole point. It's not going to do anything for you. Give up something that's going to hurt a little bit. That's going to be hard for you to do. And that's going to create plenty of desire, which is going to turn into opportunity to pray and to read God's word. And like I said, guarantee that that will change your life. So we're going to close. I'm going to kind of sum this all up this morning. You know, this is, again, like I started out with, we're at, we're at the year's end. And if you're going to make a New Year's resolution, I would suggest make it today. Don't, don't wait until the next, the, the new year. Don't, don't wait until, because then if you fail, then you're going to wait till the next new year, you, you lose a whole year. You're going to wait till the next month. Just, just, if you need to change something, start it now. I want us to start seeing people as divine opportunities rather than inconveniences. And I'm just as guilty of that. My wife is awesome at uh, going to stores and drumming up conversations and, and creating connections with people. And it doesn't have to be a, a, a great nugget of wisdom. It might just simply saying, hi, how you doing? And, and, and you maybe learn one thing about that person. Then the next time you see them, it might be two months later, but you remember, hopefully, that one thing, or hopefully the Holy Spirit brings that one thing to mind. And then you learn another thing about them. And then another thing. And, and over the months, it may generate into some kind of an opportunity to invite them to church or to, to be invited to pray for that. I, I don't, it, it, can, it can blossom into so many things. And, and she, is, she is a master of, of doing that. I'm not. I'm the one that when I go in the store, I know exactly what I want. I'm going there, I get it, and I get out. I don't see anybody. I don't know what's going on. I'm just, I want my stuff, and I'm out of there. But I want us to see people as opportunities to minister, not as inconveniences. You never know how your words or your actions are going to impact a life or many lives. To be able to do that requires us to be prepared. To be prepared, we need to fast, pray, study God's word. It's not going to be easy, but in my opinion, nothing worth achieving is easy. In fact, uh, Theodore Roosevelt was once said, nothing worth having comes easy. It's going to be hard. It's going to be hard. So as we close this morning, let's, let's bow our heads and pray. Heavenly Father, I, I thank you for this day. I thank you for the privilege of being able to speak here this morning, that, uh, that you, you trust me with your word to be able to speak. Lord, I, I pray that... Uh, that I would take these things. I pray that each of us would take these things and make them a part of, of our, our life to, to, to help us to, to, to take even the, the couple of seconds it takes just to say a quick prayer and say, Lord, is this a person that, that I'm seeing here that I need to invest in? Um, Lord, give me, a, a, give me some, some wisdom to impart into their life. Not my ideas, but your ideas that, that'll, that'll make a change in this person's life. Or if I need to be silent, then help me to be silent. But Lord, just give me the wisdom to know what to do in whatever situation I'm in. In Jesus' name. Lord, I pray that for myself. I pray that for everybody here this morning. 
I pray that your word wouldn't return void. So as we read scripture, as we study, if, if, if anyone here chooses to fast and to pray in the month of January or throughout the year, you don't have to do it just in January, but, but if, they, if they choose to do it through some time in the year, Lord, I pray that there is a supernatural change, that there is a supernatural uh, element to their fasting because they're doing it to grow closer to you. Lord, I thank you for the, oppor- for the opportunities that you're going to put in front of us. I know that even this week, we're going to be, possibly even this day, we're going to get challenged in this. Even myself, because I preached it. I'm probably going to have some, some instance where I'm going to realize, oh, okay, I need to stop and pray. Lord, help me to recognize those opportunities, not inconveniences. Change the way my mind works. Change the way that our mind works so that we can grow the kingdom together. In Jesus' name, Lord, I pray that you would bless each and every person that's here and their comings and their goings this week. Lord, keep them protected wherever they are. Help us to, to, to be your hands, your feet, your mouthpiece everywhere we go, everything we're doing. Help us to be people that worship in spirit and in truth. In Jesus' holy and precious name, amen.